Welcome to this episode of How to Date Men, a podcast exploring the world of dating, relationships, hookups and intimacy. This podcast is presented by Gaydar.net, the online dating specialists that have been helping men come together for over 25 years. I'm Gareth Johnson. On today's episode of How to Date Men, we're joined by Aurelian Engelbert. Aurelian is the participation officer with London's Museum of the Home. One of the museum's current projects is a celebration of queer domesticity. Aurelian, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, the Museum of the Home traces its history back to 1914, and domestic life has long been its focus. Is this the first time that the museum is turning its attention to the lives of people within the LGBTQ community? Um, no. So to trace back the history of the museum, our museum, as you said, opened in the early 1900s with a collection of furniture history, mainly. So most of our most of the items that constitute the collection are are objects that were present in the living rooms of the middle classes in the UK, uh, and they were only collecting collected for their um, aesthetic qualities as opposed to the stories attached to them. Um, but in museum practice, in particular at the museum, at the Den Jeffrey Museum, there was a change in curatorial practice around 2000, focusing more on the social history of objects as opposed to their aesthetic qualities. So from then, the team behind the scenes at the museum really started to collect stories of home and domestic life. And from then, we see um, a focus on the various communities that make up the fabric of London. And from then we start to see LGBT plus stories appearing in the archive, but we are faced with, you know, the chronic erasure or the misplacement of our community within these archives. And unless we have active collecting and work that goes behind putting our stories in collections, then these collections do not appear. So We've had an LGBT plus room before, which was uh, a very heteronormative 90s gay male couple uh, <laughs> room. Um, and it was on display for about over 20 years and that had its limitations. So that's why as part of this project, we're taking a fresher look at what queer domesticity looks like, which is quite exciting. Well, and talk about that concept a little bit more, because in this context, what does queer domesticity mean? Um, it, is, it is a vague term but there's um there's a quote that um that's always guided my thinking from diving deeper into the queer history of home and that's a, a quote by bell hooks which goes that define queerness as being about the self that is at odds with everything around it and has to invent and create and find a place to speak and to thrive and to live um so I always thought that was an interesting take on 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 being queer and as creating a space around us and and home in itself is is one of the rare things that we get to do for ourselves once we once once we live once we leave the family home um and through the research that I've been doing it's been kind of the common denominator that that queer people across the diversity and the breadth of our community it's been the it's been one of the the interesting elements that have come back from everybody's experiences of home is that that ability to make it for ourselves and that ability to kind of um, break away from what we've been taught home is. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective, isn't it? Because it almost defines itself by being what it is not. It's like other to the exactly the, the examples that you sort of have around you. Um, one of the key elements of the project is the construction of an installation and it's bringing to life a flat share 
And I was wondering, you know, is that going to showcase a contemporary queer life or is that a period piece reflecting a, a point in time? What does the, the flat chair installation involve? So our, the installation will be part of our Rooms Through Time, which is a, a, a much broader gallery that starts in Tudor times and gets to today. Um, so room by room, you get to see the evolution of homes through the ages. And this room will be set in the 2000s. Um, so it will be a period piece set in the 2000s. Um, the previous LGBT rooms was in the 90s. Um, we deliberately chose to move that room forward to reflect uh, an easier time in the community and maybe a happier time, a time where legal gains are marked in the UK, Section 28 is repealed, adoption rights are gained, civil partnership is gained, Gender Recognition Act is passed. Um, and also um, loads of scientific advances are being made in HIV research and we start to to see a light at the end of the tunnel with the, the pandemic. So there was really a, a want to represent queer history from a positive angle as opposed to other harder angles that we often see. Um, and also this date was chosen because it really represents a time when our ultra local history around Hackney and Tower Hamlets, um, there is a lot of venues that do open. Um, the, the vicinity of the museum really is a hub for the community. Um, and really is a moment of queer joy when East London has a has a wave of uh, of interesting things happening. Um, the queer history of the area traces further back to 2000, but I thought it was a, an interesting snapshot to provide to our visitors. No, totally. It's a lot to try and capture in an installation, I guess, but you're right. Definitely the 2000s was when East London sort of became like a bit of a queer hotspot, wasn't it? With Georgian Dragon and Joyner's Arms. And it, it was just like every everyone interesting was in the East London at that point, I thought. You touched on the importance of reflecting the diversity of the queer community, the LGBT community, and, you know, that's part of the broader aims of the museum's work is reflecting the diversity of London and, and Hackney's community. I mean, it must be almost impossible to do, though, if you think about... How do you reflect, you know, that diversity? And I guess the, the danger is that it falls into a bit of a homogenous or heteronormative, as you talked about with the 90s installation kind of thing. How do you try and avoid that in, in, in the work that you're doing? So it is something that I've been doing a lot of thinking about. Um, it really is at the forefront of the development process of this installation. Um, but also we need to acknowledge the limitations in representing the community in its full breadth because that is impossible in a single home um that being said um we have worked with like different community partners in and uh from underrepresented parts of the community so um at the forefront we'll um have some trans inclusive stories in the room um really taking a different angle than the previous gay male couple that was in the room um and that would allow us to represent different stories. There were, we've also uh, worked with uh, different partners, from, uh, like queer black partners, to show their stories and show different intersectional um, intersectional identities. And really use this this display as a, as a way to to show the differences within the community and really break away from that heteronormative living. Um, 
so the flat share will have a couple and uh a, we'll have three people a couple living in one of the bedrooms and another person in the other one um and so that in itself allows us to show three different narratives from within the community but also beyond that the the aim with that room in it being some bedrooms um as opposed to being living rooms so we made that decision working with community partners so it's more of an intimate space then the very heart of someone's existence almost is their bedroom somehow 100 percent. but also having built the core of these rooms having built the shell of the flat um it easily allows us to have the flatmates move in and out uh, and tackle that very problematic of showing more stories because every two years or three years or even less so we can every six weeks we've got a new housemate but we we have flexibility for people to move in and out and for different stories to be represented uh so it's really really much is a, an ongoing living uh installation and that's what makes it quite exciting in tackling that uh that issue you really raised and reflects the reality of flat shares doesn't it you know there's such an evolving little microcosm of life that you're never quite sure what's going to happen next with a flat share <laughs> i was interested in what the point of view or the perspective of the museum is with this work is it an objective observer of queer life within london or is there a point of view that, that, that you're trying to get across? I mean, we are human and I don't think we ever are objective in observing life uh, <laughs> in any way. Um, is there a point of view? I feel like the local history, like the East London history really is, um, really will be at the forefront of of this installation. Um, I guess we're also living in, in a time where representation matters. Uh, you know, politically, I sometimes feel like things would quite easily be taken away from us. Oh, I know. When you talk about the 2000s as being a, a period where you can look back and be, you know, a period of advancement in terms of things, you could almost look at the current situation and think, well, this doesn't really feel like that. This feels more like a regression somehow. Yeah, 100%. So so um, is there a point of view in looking at, at this history? Yes, 100%. Um, they really... I mean, you know, I really believe in the powers of of these dis displays and representing queer histories in museums. Um, and so, yeah, there is a there is a name to to make people realise that you know we need to to keep occupying spaces. And even if you look at some of the challenges people are facing today, particularly around housing and you know the impact of gentrification on this sort of local area as well. You know, when you're showcasing how great it is to live in East London, that becomes unattainable for people in today's economy and shifting, you know, socioeconomic things around the area. So, you know, that's an interesting dynamic as well. Yeah, hundred percent. It is. Um, it is. Is gentrification is an interesting story that will really come out of the new gallery as a whole, like beyond the two thousands um, flat. In that, we will really see the history of East London. So we'll have like tenement flats that were built in the nineteen tens and um, council homes that were built in the sixties, uh, all the way to today. And so, like the the history of of the different waves of houses being built and the changes in pol housing policies in the UK over the past hundred years, will really show throughout the gallery. And uh, and yeah, that that's a story that that really resonates with all of us. Uh, beyond the LGBT community. Yeah, yeah. 
Now, you're currently crowdfunding to raise money that's required to build the queer domesticity installation. How's that going? Is that something that all museum installations have to sort of go through? So museum funding is mainly coming from DCMS, the Ministry for Culture and Sports. Um, so we're, the core funding of museums is coming from, from there. But uh, it in no way is sufficient for a museum to to renew itself, to do new projects and to to achieve its aims. Um, so any kind of project based, uh, any kind of project that's beyond the sole functioning of the museum needs to be fundraised for. Um, this fundraising mainly comes through uh, foundations or commercial activity. Um, so that's how kind of the sector functions. Um, the issue with this 2000s room is that it really is living history and the objects that we're collecting and the stories that we're collecting are kind of like overlooked and they're, they're not they're not deemed important by funders or by uh by the people that that really make our projects uh come to life so we've had to resort to a kind of fundraising tactic to to raise the money towards that because um, our funders have failed to provide money to uh, to that end. Um, so that really is why the crowdfund, uh, this is really why we were doing a crowdfund, but also um, also it is a very, uh, is, is a very interesting way to get even more people involved in the, in, in the life of a museum because it really makes, uh, it really makes a difference whether people, you know, uh, get engaged with three pounds or five hundred. Uh, you know, so it's uh, it's yeah, broadening uh, the impact that 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 we can have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, is the goal to raise ten thousand pounds by the fourth of March? Where are you at against that target? I think we're about twenty percent. The last I looked. Um, so yeah, it's going well. I guess my final question then is if people want to get involved and support the Museum the Homes Project to celebrate queer domesticity, what's the best way for them to do that? I guess it's twofold. There's been there's the crowdfund that you mentioned. So uh, there are various degrees of support that are available on the website uh, and there are prizes um, that you kind of like buy or that are given to you as a thank you to your support. So we've uh, we've been really lucky to have some art, local artists uh, create bespoke artworks for that crowdfund. So we've got Rachel House and um, our friends from Batch Cafe that have created some uh, some some objects, um, some that are really inspired by the by the life of uh, London in the two thousands. So that's one of the ways. Another way is that the collecting for objects is still ongoing uh, to go towards the room. So the main bulk of my job is to get the things that will be in that room. Um, and we've had, we've been lucky to have uh, loads of people donate some of their objects and their possessions uh, to be in the new room, but that's obviously still ongoing. Is there anything you're missing? Like any specific sort of type of thing that you think you'd like to feature, but you haven't quite got your hands on yet? Um, I guess it's, um, you know, the things that make the home personal um, that are, somehow uh, not missing but you know you can always do with more like uh you know like photographs and personal objects uh that that you'd have in your bedroom there's so many things you could have in your bedroom so um these are the kind of um of things that we always welcome but also the collecting 
for um, the collecting of queer stories at the museum goes beyond that room as well. Um, so this is the um, this is the current project that we're working towards. But that being said, the the absence of queer stories in our archive is uh, is you know is still limited because the work has has not been done for decades. So um, you know we're always collecting objects like domestic objects that do have personal stories and that do have important connections to what home means or a question that we like to ask people is well, what does home mean to you so um yeah we all always welcome donations of uh, of important objects that can be that they can be really boring objects like a teapot but <laughs> then uh, we always welcome them in our collections well that brings us to the end of this episode you can find me on twitter at gtv london today's guest has been iranian angelbert of the museum of the home everything you need is on their website museumofthehome.org.uk how to Date Men is presented by Gaydar.net, the online dating specialist that have been helping men come together for over 25 years. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.